Christ is risen. All right, let's do that one more time. It's a traditional gathering of early Christians. Uh, they thought so much of the resurrection that the resurrection changed everything that they greeted each other with this greeting. Christ is risen. He is risen and that's what the resurrection uh, meant. Um, we've been in a series of sermons for the last six weeks on um, canceling. In the last three weeks, we've talked about what we have termed and phrased the cancel culture that we have in our country, and uh, we've kind of juxtaposed that with Christian culture. We say Christian culture is nothing like cancel culture, and cancel culture is nothing like Christian culture. Christian culture should be about restoration, about forgiveness, about new life, about born again, and uh, old things have passed away, all things about renewed. Cancel culture that we've seen a lot of seems to be about getting you fired, getting you resigned, uh, losing your social media influence, all that kind of stuff. And we've just tried to say in three different ways in the last three weeks that Christian culture is as antithetical to cancel culture. So we lead up to Easter today, and what do I do with that word canceled when it comes to Easter? Well, actually, it has a lot to do with Easter in a negative way and in a positive way. If you want to wipe out Christianity... If you want to cancel Christianity, you cancel Easter. Because the crux of this whole thing is the life, is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. If you cancel Easter, let's say the bones of Jesus are found, in some way there can irrefutably be proved that these are the bones of Jesus, then Paul would say, let's just eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. It's done. It's absolutely done. And I think a lot of people kind of know that, but when I say it that forthrightly, it kind of hits you like that. If, if it can be proved today that Jesus did not rise from the dead, then I have wasted 25 years of my life as a preacher, pretty much wasted my life since August 29th, 1993, when I have endeavored by the grace of God to follow Jesus. It's all built on the resurrection of, of Jesus Christ. If you want to cancel Christianity, you cancel Easter. You can, if, if, you can argue about um, if creation is a literal six days or not. I, I happen to believe it is. That's the stand that I take. But that is not absolutely the crux of Christianity. Okay? That's not the crux of Christianity. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is, is a being that we call the, the Trinity. I can never understand that, how we have uh, three in one. I believe that because that's what the Bible seems to give us pretty plainly. But if somehow we're wrong about that, that is, does not, absolutely does not take out all of Christianity. But if you cancel the resurrection and we somehow find out that Jesus did not really rise from the dead, he is still in the grave somewhere, somewhere well, let's just eat, drink, and be merry. For tomorrow we die. Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 15. That whole chapter is one of the longest chapters that we have in any of Paul's epistles, and it's all about the importance of the resurrection. In verse 17 of 1 Corinthians 15, and if Christ has not been raised, so there are people even back then, this is probably around 60 AD, 65 AD, even back then, People were talking about the resurrection. Could this have really happened? And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. That's about as plain as the Apostle Paul can be inspired by God's Holy Spirit to write that. 
Verse 14 of 1 Corinthians 15 says, And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless. What I do here today is absolutely useless. It, it, I've wasted my time for 25 years. I wasted all that money to go to Asbury Theological Seminary. I, I, it's, it's useless. It's useless. I have been deceived. And so my preaching is useless. My message is useless. And I, after all, you know, what do I have to preach if, if Jesus is in the grave? What do, I, what do I have to preach? All the songs that we just sing that talked about because he lives, we can live also. Uh, I ran out of that grave. You know, it's the new life that is provided by the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. One more verse, 1 Corinthians 15, 18. The Apostle Paul says, uh, then those who have fallen asleep, they're, they're lost. That's Paul's word for died. And they're, they're lost in the hope that you had for your mom and your dad and your grandparents and whoever that was, that is lost. I'm, I'm here to tell you first and foremost that if you want to cancel Christianity, you cancel Easter. So we can talk about cancellation in a negative way, but I also want to talk about it in a positive way. And I want to tell you that Easter is about cancellation. Easter, now, I've never really had that thought before this week. I really never. And I was sitting there thinking this week, and am I going to stick with the whole cancel theme that we've done for the last six weeks, or I'm going to do a standalone Easter sermon? And then so I started thinking through this. I thought, well, Easter is about cancellation, not in maybe a way that we've really thought through or even I've thought through too much. Easter is about cancellation. And may I tell you one thing is we're, we're, this, is, this is tough for some people to grab, and some people may even think that it's um, sacrilegious to say it. But we're not saved just by Jesus' death. We're saved by his, if I want to honestly say it, we're saved by his life, death, burial, and resurrection. If he not be raised, it doesn't make any difference. The gospel is his death, burial, and resurrection, and all that is one package, and you take any parts of those away. We, if, if there was not an Easter Sunday, we're not saved today. But Easter is about cancellation. And what I want to tell you is because of Easter and because it's about cancellation, our sins have been canceled. At least that's what the Bible says over and over and over again. Now, I could have picked a whole lot of verses, but I went to one of the most theologically important chapters in all, all of God's Word, and that's Colossians chapter 2. And in Colossians 2.14, Paul writes, under the inspiration of God's Holy Spirit, he says, he, that be, means Jesus, he, he canceled well, that, Jesus, uh, probably, it probably means God here. God canceled the record of charges against us. God canceled the record of charges against us. The word canceled, when you look it up. Now, when Paul wrote that word, he didn't write our English word canceled. He wrote a Greek word because he wrote it in Greek. And when you look that up, that word literally means, and it's translated other places, blotted out, erased. It's translated that way other places. For some reason, the, the translators here chose canceled. Uh, it, it, it means uh, to erase something as if you're erasing it from a blackboard. It means to rub on something long enough that it's not there anymore. He has canceled the record of charges against us. That's what Easter, that's what Easter is about. And that charges against us could not have been 
paid any other way. I could not have paid it myself. I cannot be good enough. I cannot turn over uh, new leaves in my life. How many new leaves have we turned over, okay? And I can't turn over 100, 150. I don't care how many new leaves you turn over. You will not find that record of charges against you to be forgiven. Only through the death of the one who did not have to die. That's the gospel. The one who lived a perfect life and he didn't need to die. He's a human being, only a human being, not the God-man. He couldn't die for his own sins. But, but since he was the God-man, lived a perfect life, he didn't need to die. He died for you and died for me. Thus, the record that is somewhere written down. The Bible says that there's somewhere written down a record of my sin and it has been canceled and my name is now in the book of life is what the Bible says. Because of my faith, because of my trust in Jesus Christ. Not because I came to church, not because I was a good little boy, not because I put my tithe in the offering plate. All those are well and good and should flow from a forgiven life. But it starts with my faith and trust in what Jesus has done for me. Can you prove that to me, Mark? No, I can't. You have to take it by faith. The Bible says without faith you cannot please him. Without faith you cannot please him. How, how pleased I am with my boys when I tell them something and they don't understand it. They're maybe not old enough. They haven't lived old enough to understand that yet. But because daddy said it, they did it or they believed it. How much that pleases this father. How much more could it please the father when what he has written for us, we take by faith. As the thousands and tens and thousands and hundreds of thousands and millions of people that have walked before us in this life of faith. Easter is about cancellation because Paul says that God has canceled the record of charges against us. Wow. Now, it doesn't make any difference if your record's really long, if your record's really short. Make any difference. You got a record. <laughs> My record is really long. I didn't become a Christian until I was 34, and there's a lot on that record. There's lots there that were there for me, things that I did and said and places that I went to that I should have never done that. I'd be embarrassed to tell you all of that. I've got a long long record but my wife was saved at five years old how, how much bad can you do at five <laughs> now if you're Levi you do a lot of bad by the time you get to five I bet. <laughs> I had a long long record I don't know what kind of a record a five-year-old had but she had some awareness that she had done wrong in her life and by her bed one night, her mother led her to Jesus. Not a record like this. I don't care how long the record was. I haven't, I'm, not, I'm not as bad as she is or he is. And we'll look at him. And No, it, that has nothing to do with it. That has nothing to do with it. Someone else's record doesn't have anything to do with me. It's my record. With, no matter if it's lengthy or if it's short, that record of charges against me needs to be canceled and this word says there's only one way that it that it can he is the way and the truth and the life and no one comes to the father except through him god is the creator of this universe and god has decided how his creatures 
will be able to be forgiven. And you have a problem with the way that he's decided you have to take that up with him. But I, I can't guess. I can't choose any way that I want to. I have to follow the way of truth that he has laid out for me. I can't just pick and choose and wonder. I hope I'm on the wrong path. I hope I'm on the right path. I have to follow what he has written. And I take this by faith. He's canceled the record of charges against me. I'm telling you this morning that Easter is about cancellation. Not only have our sins been canceled, but our shame has been canceled too. Now, this is, this, is, this is a tougher one, and I didn't get this one for a long time. Our shame has been canceled too. And if my, the record of charges against me has been dropped, has been canceled, has been forgiven, has been blotted out, has been erased, has been wiped away, has been rubbed off or whatever you want to picture you want to bring in that mind my shame has to think about this for a second let's let's say that um let's say that i'm um uh let's let's say that i'm a criminal i'm on death row and i've i've killed a a lot of people some mass shooting and i don't know if you've ever seen anybody that's been um uh electrocuted or seen anybody that's had the injection that puts them asleep and, and kills them but in that room, there's, there's always, um, there's several things in common. There's always one thing in that room, and that's a telephone. Because that telephone is a straight line to the governor. Because that governor can pardon at any moment. And I don't know why in the world a governor would pardon a mass, a mass murderer, and that's probably why my illustration would break down. But let's say I'm that mass murderer, and he pardons me. And I can walk out. I'm a free man. He's, he's pardoned me, and, and, and I'm not guilty anymore. But do you know if I have any conscience that I still carry the weight of what I did? If I have any conscience at all. Obviously, I'm thankful that I've been pardoned, and I'm not going to be electrocuted or whatever. But I, if I have any conscience at all, I'm carrying the weight of what I did. Can I tell you, friends? That if you are forgiven sinner today, and whether your, your charges against you is lengthy or whether the record against you is small, you do not have to carry those charges anymore. You do not have to feel the shame of those anymore. You don't have to feel burden on your shoulder. You know, yeah, I'm forgiven, but all those things I did, ah, you don't have to carry that anymore. I didn't understand this when I first got saved. Absolutely did not. I, I was dating Sue, and I don't, we hadn't dated very long, and you know I had this lengthy record of my past life, and Sue had this little thing right here, and and so I would just you know as she's getting to know me and I'm getting to know her, I'd tell her just a little bit about my past life, just a little bit at a time, you know I just wouldn't lay the whole thing on her right there, because <laughs> she'd turn tail and, and fly, you know, and and so I probably that night had just told her a little bit of oh man you just don't believe this you know if, if you if you're thinking of, and we got I got engaged we got engaged like three months into it so I said if you were thinking about marrying me you you didn't know what I've done and so I was getting ready to leave her apartment that night and and I remember looking at her at the door and said I just feel guilty that I don't feel guilty I was carrying shame I I, I what what the, the record that I had was so extensive. I feel like, well, I ought to, you know, I ought to just have to pay every day for that. You know, I feel guilty that I didn't feel guilty. 
And she said, this very uh, sincere Christian says, that's because you know you've been forgiven. Friends, you don't have to carry that shame of what other people have done to you or what you've done to yourself. You don't have to carry that shame. Our verse that we looked at a few minutes ago, Colossians 2.14, Remember it said he canceled the record of charges against us and took it away. That little phrase, that little phrase means no more shame. He took it away. He took the burden off of me. He, he, he took that guilt off of me. Not only has he declared me not guilty, he says you don't need to carry this anymore. Now I'm not proud of my sin. That's silly. No one talks that way. But I don't have to walk around feeling guilty anymore. Feeling guilty is, is a prerequisite to come Christ because you have to feel some guilt over your sins. But once you know they're forgiven, Charles Wesley wrote, bold I approach the eternal throne and claim the crown through Christ my own. Now how can I walk bold to the throne of God and claim whatever crown he's got for me if I'm guilty and just a poor little sinner here I am walking up to, the, I'm just a poor little sinner. That's all I do every day, sin, word, thought, and deed. And I just, I'm just a poor little sinner. Bold, I approach the eternal throne and claim the crown through Christ. Through Christ. My own. I don't claim the crown through Mark and all the, good, the, the leaves that he's turned in his life and how he's changed his life when he was 34. No, that's not what I claim my crown because of. I don't longer drink or smoke or chew or go with girls that do or whatever that is. I claim the crown through Christ my own. It's about cancellation. It's about cancellation. The record of charges against me has been canceled. Unbelievable, isn't it? My sh- I, don't, I, don't, I don't have to carry with me those things that I did, those things that I did against people that hurt people, those lies that I told, those things that I can't tell you right here in this pulpit that I did. I don't have to carry those anymore. I remember when I felt like I was being called to the ministry. I happened to be at Asbury Seminary one day because mom and dad lived close to there and I was walking the halls of Asbury Seminary and came to a, uh, like a bulletin board thing where they posted churches that looking for pastors and so I just sit here and kind of looked at it, you know. And the devil just said, don't you know what you've done? You, you're going to be a pastor? Who are you fooling? And if I didn't have an understanding of forgiveness, if I didn't have, have an understanding of, of sins being canceled, of shame being canceled, I could never enter the ministry. I would have listened to him right there and allowed his life to pull me away from the calling that God had for me in my life. Sin's canceled. Shame is canceled. And then finally, uh, death has been canceled. Now, that's kind of a hard one to figure out sometimes. Because, you know, we're going to die. 
And there's going to be a day where, where I'm going to be laying in a coffin and you all be looking over top of me. And, and that's going to happen. It's going to happen for me. It's going to happen for you. Many people we've had in our Easter services today, that the, the overwhelming chance is that at least one person that's been in attendance in one of our two services today will die next year and will not be here for this service. Death is a reality. But our death, our death is just a blink of an eye. As we close our eyes for the last time, we somehow, in a way that I don't understand, don't understand, we awaken to eternal life in a way that I'll never, ever totally understand. And I don't have to fear that death. I kind of, I'll be honest with you, I kind of, I don't fear dying. I fear, and I'll just be honest with you, maybe I shouldn't say this, and maybe it's not real Christian to say this, I, I kind of fear, or maybe if I just don't want to just use the word fear, I say I'm just kind of anxious about the process of it. I don't want to linger. I don't want to have to, my family to, to, to care for me for two years and all that kind of stuff. And, and I don't obviously want to go through pain any more than anybody else wants to go through pain. So uh, the process of it, yeah, there's some anxiety about that. But man, when I close my eyes, everything that I've preached and read about becomes true. Right, Harold? <laughs> Our scripture says, talks about this in Colossians 2.14. He canceled the record of charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross, the instrument of death itself. He nailed that to the cross. He took our death so we don't have to die. At least not die in the way that people understood death before Jesus came. Lots of scriptures that that speak to this. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 15, he says, where, O death? <laughs> and he's actually taking this from an Old Testament passage. He says, where, O death? Where's your victory? The victory of death, whatever victory death had on me is gone. Some of you watched the Gonzaga-UCLA game last night in the last second shot that the the guy hit to to win the game and 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 then just the absolute exuberance of the players and the guy that hit the shot he just he just kind of lost it he ran and stood up on press row and he just it's the thrill of victory as they used to say on the wild world sport death has no victory oh death apostle paul says where is your victory oh death where is your sting no sting in death. I think the Mutersfall family is back there and they were going to try to get Joy here today, but she didn't have a good day yesterday. And, you know, how long is it now that those of us have, that have known Joy, she says, I, she goes, I'm ready to go. Tomorrow. It's fine. Death has no claim on her. Good Friday service. We were here Friday night and worship team sang a song and I can't remember the name of the song but there's a line in that song that brought tears to my eyes and made my hands raise because there's a line in that song that says death has no grip on me and friends let me tell you if you know your sins are forgiven if you know your sins have been canceled the shame has been canceled 
Death has no claim, has no grip on you. <laughs> Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 and 14, Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who have fallen asleep. That's a little passage, that's a, a little phrase Apostle Paul uses a lot. He just wouldn't even say it. He just like, he, he usually used falling asleep because he, it's not like death. It's just like you fall asleep and you wake up in the arms of the Lord. He says, brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you will not grieve like the rest of mankind. He says, I need to tell you something so you don't like grieve like the unbelievers grieve. Christians grieve, but we grieve differently. The grief is for ourselves. I don't grieve for my dad when he was laying there. I won't grieve for my mom when she's laying there. I'll grieve for myself that I won't be in their presence, at least on this earth. Paul says, I, don't, I want to tell you something so you won't grieve like the rest of the world grieves. It's okay to grieve. It's okay to shed tears. It's okay to go through all that stuff because you've lost something. But I don't want you to grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. <laughs> For we believe that Jesus died and rose again. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep. <laughs> I, um, I've said this a few times and, and sometimes people don't understand it. I, I, I'm not meaning to put anybody down or anything by this at all. But, you know, a lot of people use the, word, the phrase passed away, and I know why they use it, because, you know, it it's doesn't feel good to say my wife died, my husband died, my dad died, my son died, and I get all that. I, I understand that totally. But I think we as Christians should be able to deal with the word death. <laughs> and we shouldn't have to make up some little phrase like passed away to somehow make our hearts feel better. Now, the world does. The world's got to find a phrase to make them feel better. They do. Passed away doesn't sound as final as death does. But as Christians, we can handle death. Our sins have been canceled. Our shame has been canceled. Our death has been canceled. My, my papa on my mom's side was dying. 18 of us, 19 of us, something like that, around the bed in the hospital and and my dad leans down and he said, Mr. He always called him Mr. Collins to the day he died, his father-in-law. He said, Mr. Collins, everything all right between you and the Lord? And Papa raised up a frail hand about like this and he goes, all is forgiven. See, that's what, the de that's what a deathbed can be like for a Christian. Isn't that interesting? That's what a deathbed can be like. For and then mom, who was on the other side of the bed, she says, Daddy, go ahead and go. Isn't that good? Go ahead and go. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> We're the Christian. Death has been canceled. Throughout my ministry, throughout Mike's ministry, throughout Harold's ministry, throughout anybody else in here that's ever conducted a funeral, we've conducted funerals of people that weren't Christian. And you can taste the difference in the funeral of a person that wasn't a Christian, in the funeral of a person that was. You can literally taste it. The grief that's there. 
the finality, the finality of that. My dad died in 2005, and he was in the hospital, and we were getting ready in a couple of days to put him in hospice. We knew he didn't have long to live. So we were taking turns spending the night with him. And so I, it was my turn, and I spent the night with him, and he was sleeping. And I, I don't know what time it was. I have no clue. And I just start praying. I said, Lord, go ahead and take him tonight. Why do we have to go through this whole hospice thing? We know if he goes to hospice, he's probably only going to live about a week. Lord, why don't you take him tonight? Some of us probably selfish because <laughs> my brother and I are going to have to go out and buy furniture and decorate his hospice room for a week. And he was, you know, isn't that awful thing? You know, I said, I said, Lord, just take him tonight. We don't need to prolong this thing anymore. We don't need to prolong this thing. And I couldn't have said that if I didn't know that death had been canceled for my dad. And so, as dad was in hours of death, and we knew that he was, you, you've been around a deathbed, you can tell, and you know when the, labor, when the breathing gets labored and the ends of the fingers are turning blue and the blood's not circulating anymore. And, and so dad was there, and we knew death was probably within hours, a day at the most, and and, and I just, just leaned down to him and said, Dad, go ahead and let go, just like my mom did to Peppa. Go ahead and let go. I don't know if he heard me or not. He kind of tried to mumble something that made me kind of think he said, okay, but go ahead and let go, Dad. Well, I hope, I hope my boys can do that for me if, I, if, if my death is like that. Dad, there's, there's no sense in you staying here any longer. Go ahead and let go. We'll be we'll fine. Go on. We'll, we'll see you. Apostle Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 8. We are confident, I say, we would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. Absent from the body means home with the Lord. And I don't know exactly how that is and do we close our eyes and instantaneously are we transported to heaven or is there time in between? I don't know that, but here's what I think. I think if there is time in between, we don't know of that time in between. We're just kind of hanging out. And I don't know how that goes because God has not chosen to tell us all about that. But I'm here to proclaim to you on the authority of God's word. If you're a Christian today, your death has been canceled. You're going to fall asleep. You're going to fall asleep and you're going to wake up and you're going to say, it's all true. It's all true. I don't know where you are in your spiritual walk today. But we don't need an altar call to make sure that you go to heaven. You can pray a prayer right there. God does not hear the word. Well, what am I supposed to say, Mark? Doesn't a pastor have to lead you through that? God hears your heart. He doesn't hear your words. Your words may be stumbling. Your words may not make any theological sense. But God knows the sincerity of your heart. And even right where you are right now, you can say, forgive me, Lord. Forgive me, Lord. And that's just as good as coming to it a hundred altars, and I'm not putting that down in the least. But God can do it when and wherever he chooses to do that. If that's never happened to you, 
That needs to happen. Wouldn't it be awful to come to Easter service all, all the years and it never happens to you? Wouldn't it be awful? You hear the gospel preached. You hear the gospel preached over and over and over again, but it never has happened to you. Some of you have been Christians for a while. But um, that shame thing that I talked about, that resonates with you. You feel guilty. You know you're forgiven. You get all that. But there's a burden on you. There's a burden on you. And, and, and through your mind, how could I have ever done that? How could I have ever said that? I'm telling you here, the resurrection of Jesus Christ allows you to live new life. And that new life is not a life that you have to carry that burden. That burden of shame anymore. You don't have to feel guilty for not feeling guilty. He's taken that. And no matter what you've done, or let me say it, and this will resonate with some of you, no matter what you've done or what's been done to you, Bold I approach the eternal throne and claim the crown through Christ, my own. Let's pray together. Father, <clears throat> don't know where these people are, I can't read their hearts. But, Father, if they don't understand about this cancellation that I've talked about, I pray that you're working with them and you're talking to them even right now and probably not in an audible voice, but this is something in their spirit that they know, that they know, that they know. And I don't know if they're five years old or if they're 65 years old. Father, as they ask you, as they admit their guilt and ask you to cancel, Father, we know that you hear that prayer of a, of a repentant heart, of a sincere heart, honest heart. Father, I pray for those Christians that are carrying shame. I pray they'd let it go. I pray they'd stand up tall. They're new creatures in Jesus Christ. The old has passed away and the new has come. I pray you'd understand how they can walk boldly to the throne of grace and claim the crown through Christ, their own. Father, take these words and use them however you see fit. We pray these things in Jesus' name.